We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part? It's only $15, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about another Nets win tonight over the Sacramento Kings, 127-118. The winning streak is at seven. How are we feeling? Bruce. Bruce. Bruce! That was um, a Bruce Brown slash Hulk impersonation, I think. (laughs) I'm trying to figure it out. But, uh, you know, it's funny, Jack, is last year we did a Bruce Brown game, but it was for the other team. I think this year, this podcast is going to be the Bruce Brown game because the guy went off. We're going to talk about that a lot more as always, but you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do you want to start? We'll start with Bruce Brown, Nick. There's no question about where we're starting. An absolute career night. In 25 minutes, he had 29 points, a career high, two dimes, Four boards, including two offensive boards. Five of five from the free throw line. Two of three from three, including the shimmy shakes and the dancing that give me a run for my money. 11 of 13 from the field. What a goddamn game from Mr. Brown. Yeah, I mean, this is the best game of Bruce Brown's career. Like you said, career high in points. Nailed two threes in the fourth quarter that were actually kind of big threes. that kind oh, of nice. Yeah, it gave the Nets a separation. I thought he was really good. I mean, he was one of the best Nets out there, not only offensively, what we've talked about a lot in the past, his cutting, his timeliness, finding those open spaces, but I thought defensively he was good. A guy that could switch on to, honestly, almost anybody on Sacramento other than maybe Bagley and Holmes, but even on Bagley, he had a couple of good possessions. So really, really like Bruce Brown game. Honestly, my only complaint is that I wish he played more minutes in the first half because I think he only played nine. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me that Steve Nash was experimenting a little bit with the rotation. We'll get to guys like Andre Robeson, Aman Shumpert, and Nicholas Claxton in a little bit, all playing their first minutes for the Brooklyn Nets this season. But 
I think that it was a worthwhile experiment for the yep. long run because ultimately we know these guys, the, the guarantee date is basically tomorrow. So, and we can touch on that in a little bit too, but focusing on Bruce Brown, those threes, Nick, you know, that first one, I actually felt like it was going in. Yeah. Bruce Brown is definitely a guy where I'm like, you know what? He's the man for the moment. And he said to Michael Grady in the post game, he's like, they were talking to me on the on the bench right there. I can't totally say what they're saying. He guaranteed that there were some M some M mofos coming, some C words coming, some S words going. There were ex- expletives going aplenty. And Bruce Brown's like, you know what? I'm going to shoot this in your face. I don't care if I'm like 30% on the year. I'm going to shoot another one in your face. I'm going to shimmy all over you like I'm goddamn Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry can't do that shit, Nick. Can he? Can he? <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact he did do the shimmy. I mean, if he hit the third one, the 300 fans in Barclays would have went nuts tonight. It just would have been wild. I mean, I was excited watching him in the fourth quarter, and he's just like a fan favorite, a guy that you just like want to root for and you want to see have success because he's like a guy that's not supposed to be good in this current era of basketball, but he finds a way to have an impact with his game, and that floater is deadly. Like, it really is good, and he was hitting contested. And you mentioned, Jack, you thought he was going to hit the first three. I really thought he was going to hit it because it's like, I don't know, it's like when 2K, if you hit all your shots, you eventually get like the hot meter. And like he hit his nine shots like to start the game or like eight shots, eight of nine. It's just like, man, the, the man was cooking. Yeah, he missed two shots tonight. Simple as that. You know, 29 points on 13 field goal attempts is, is truly great. And look, for those that need reminding, I'm sure no one does. But the Nets and Sean Marks got Bruce Brown for a second-round pick and Janan Musa, who isn't even in the NBA anymore. It's It might be the best trade in the history of the National Basketball Association. I mean, it really is an impactful trade, considering the, the other trade the Nets made for James Harden and giving up so much depth. Hey, now we have another guy like Bruce Brown who can fit in and be a perfect glue guy on this team because he just provides those aspects that you really need. And he mentioned in his post game with Michael Grady, he understands his role. He plays his role to the highest level, and he finds a way to play off those guys in terms of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, without shooting. Like, his cutting and his layup package get him there. I also like his little new finger roll thing that he's been doing where he, like, drops it down a little bit and then brings it up. It's like, hey, I'm going to try to draw a foul here, and it's going to look cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's strong as hell. You know, got to yeah. the line five times tonight because of that strength and because of that aggression. And a lot of the time tonight, the connection between him and James Harden, yep. you know, James Harden had 14 assists. I would say eight of them felt like they went to yep. Bruce Brown. You know, he got double James Harden and Bruce was like, you know what, I'm going to slip here. I know he's going to kick it to me and I can make my little floater. Or Bruce can, you know, he's a, a good pass out of the short roll, whether it's to Joe Harris or Tyler Johnson or Kyrie. The one that DeAndre uh, Jordan today on the oop, on the reverse oop, that was just beautiful basketball. That was super nice, super nice. One of the prettiest plays from tonight. And Bruce Brown got out in transition. He was just yep. beaten. He, he, he made Sacramento look lazy. And James Harden loves making that pass. And normally it's to Jeff Green or Kevin Durant. Both of those guys weren't there tonight. And Bruce is like, you know what, James? I'm going to make you still feel good. I'm going to give you some uh, quarterback touchdown passes. You know, the yep. NFL might be, the season might be finished, but I'm still going to make you look like Aaron Rodgers out there. You like yeah. that reference, Nick? Yeah, there you go. There you go, Jack. I love it. <laughs> Jack learning football over here. But, um, you know, I think it was it's great, too, is because the reason he's able to get open is Marvin Bagley was guarding him. You know what I mean? So bigs aren't used to having to run out in transition like that, especially a young player who really hasn't got a lot of reps on the court because of injury. And Bruce Brown took advantage. And I think they pointed out on the broadcast, he almost was kind of like sneaking down the court. He would like walk. And then as soon as he got space, he would just put the jets on and then the connection for the touchdown. Boom. And it happened, I think, at least three times this game. I think it's it's almost underrated, Nick, those little mini plays and underrated yeah. plays from role Free play. baskets. It, it free baskets and any basket counts you know it, it's money and, and and you need to find easy baskets to make the other team to deflate them and Bruce Brown's intelligence on that I think yep. is goes unnoticed a little bit you know to be able to work hard and outwork the opponent to just keep running keep cutting keep screening I think that he's just doing so much for this team. He obviously, like you alluded to, mentioned to Michael Grady that he understands his role. He's going above his role, Nick. You know, there aren't many role players in the NBA that are hitting, that are making 29 points. You know, we've, there's a bevy of luxury. We've got Bruce Brown and Joe Harris. They're exceeding their roles right now within the starting lineup. And we have our best player, the superstar, one of the best 10, 15 players in the NBA not playing right now. And we've got Bruce Brown subbing in for him. It's a, it's a pretty goddamn good thing to have. But I'm just... I can't understate and I can't overstate enough 
how good his cutting is, how yeah. good his screening is, the angles that he gets for James Harden, for Kyrie Irving, for Joe Harris, for DeAndre Jordan. He just opens up the floor for everyone, and it's infectious. That energy that he brings is infectious. We saw them getting up on that third three the entire bench yeah. right there. You know, I think Jeff Green and Kevin Durant might have injured themselves again. You know, <laughs> Jeff Green's shoulder, the contusion, like t- 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 take a little bit of a chill pill for it. But man, it was uh, it was an awesome night, and Bruce and there were worrying moments. Uh, at the start of the fourth yeah. and the end of the third. And, you know, Bruce Brandis comes in and plus 20 on the night as well, Nick. You know, I'm, I know that uh, we do the post-game uh, buzzes quite regularly and I'm always looking at that plus minus and, and Bruce Brown leads it. He was the best Brooklyn Nets player in a team that has Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris and James Harden. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, I think he probably played the most above his role. I think James Harden was still the best net tonight, but Bruce Brown balled out. I also think um, Bruce Brown and Joe Harris are probably two of the best non-big screeners in the league like they're both really really good at screening I think Joe Harris has really stepped up his screening game where he's like starting to lay wood and I think like the players aren't expecting it it's like oh guards coming out here to kind of get the switch no Joe Harris is actually setting screen so I'm sure that's something you appreciate a little too much (laughs) don't talk about screens and girthiness and laying physicality with Joe Harris Nick let's not go there yeah let's not go there before we go into the players Jack I think you brought up a good point about the game being too close And it just kind of almost felt like one of those games that might slip away because the Nets had so much of a casual feel after that first quarter. Yeah, 42 points in that first quarter. And it was just like, all right, we got this game sewed up. And then they allowed 38 points in the second, 30 points in the third. And they dialed it up with the starters were in there in the fourth. Now, some of that you, you take into account that, you know, there's Robeson playing some extended minutes. Aman Chumpa gets a few minutes here or there. And Nicholas Claxton gets a bit of game time. We'll dive into Nick Claxton. Don't worry about that one. But I, I think, and all of the bench players were negative. All the starters were positive in plus minus. When the starters were out there, you know, in the you know, Joe Harris 32 minutes, Deandre Jordan 34 minutes, Kyrie Irving 37, James Harden 41, Bruce Brown only 25. It it, it was a tale of the starters and the bench. And yeah. while they were staggered kind of well, I didn't like Kyrie Irving with the second unit as much as James Harden um, as I have in, in, in other games. But I think a lot of it was, Nick, that purely that the whenever the starters were out there, they just outclassed the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I mean, and they're just that much more talented when you have two superstars in Kyrie Irving and James Harden and also the chemistry that unit has. You know what I mean? Those guys have reps together. And like you said, Jack, you know, you're trying out players for the first time, never played a minute together. Some of them haven't played in months and you're throwing them on the basketball court. You know, it probably went better than you expected. You know what I mean? We're just looking at it in such a small sample size where it's like, oh man, that was so bad. Like, but really like it could have been a lot worse. Like Nick Claxton hasn't played an NBA game since last season, early on Andre Roberson. We talked about playing a little bit in the bubble. Amon Shumpert's last game was with the Nets and he's coming off a hamstring strain. So, you know, I thought it was a good opportunity and Steve Nash took advantage of that. I felt like I was more disappointed in the third quarter because I wanted the team to kind of create separation there where the second quarter was more understanding. Yeah, I mean, normally our third quarters of late, especially in the road trip, but where we yeah. go, you know what? Let's uh, let's end this one. You know, against the Lakers, um, uh, against the Clippers. You know, and and obviously the final quarter. You know, it it, it was a tale of yeah the Suns as well so look I I think that there's a lot of things to but again this is a game against the Sacramento Kings I think that there was uh, extenuating circumstances I think I I do think that the defense and I I mentioned um, I I put a tweet out the other day that during the road trip the Nets defense ranked 11th overall in the NBA in that five-game winning streak and I think that the Nets are doing enough to to shut up a guy like Tim Bontemps of ESPN and and the rest of the, the naysayers about the Brooklyn Nets defense. I think that they still look at the overall season picture. Whereas if you look at it game by game and go, okay, since Harden's been here, it gets a little bit better. Over these winning road trips, it gets better. And what that current iteration of the Brooklyn Nets is, you add in Kevin Durant as well, Nick. We don't even have our best player. And we'll get to Kevin Durant's injury uh, and the latest status update on that a little bit later. But I think that the Nets were went a step back into not necessarily I don't think that they're okay they're worse defensively and and throw the uh, toys out the window I just think that they lost engagement they disengaged yeah. certain points of the game and it's just like come on guys we've seen this and we saw during this game we saw DJ play some really good defense we saw Claxa play some good defense we saw the entire unit you know I'm basically noting every single point that the Nets are playing good defense and there's a lot of possessions in comparison to, to games past where I've been able to recap some of the games and 
and take some notes. So, look, I think that what we gained from the the road trip was awesome. You know, the only team to go five and zero on a West Coast road trip since the Chicago Bulls of eleven twelve, I think it was. Um, so, I think that there are headways being made there. Ultimately, consistency is what's going to matter. They didn't show the consistency that didn't need to be played. But again, we better a sub five hundred team. Yeah, it's it's finally happening. Yeah, and I think also, Jack, it's the end of the road trip too. You know, like they they played a game Sunday night. They just had that long flight back. Obviously, they're not going to be as engaged. But like you said, I don't think it's necessarily a concern. It's like the bones are still there. Everything's still good. Like the structure of the defense, it's just the effort, the consistency tonight wasn't there. You saw miscommunications. I thought there was a couple lazy uh, transition defensive plays. And then also just some new faces being out there. You're going to have more miscommunication. And also just like, Guys didn't play that hard. I think one thing for the Nets is like if they're not switching and they're trying to play just straight up man to man, like they're not very good at getting over screens. That's just something they struggle with. And the way they counter that is switching a lot because then you don't have to get over the screen. Yeah, definitely. And and I also do think that some of the, the missed shots that the Nets had, they didn't, like you mentioned in terms of transition defense, some of it was a transition and some of those shots were fell into the King's lap and they were able to get easy buckets. Either the Nets not getting back or the Nets being lazy or just the, the Kings doing what Bruce Brown did to, to them on, on some occasions. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to happen some nights. And I thought, you know, there was a couple turnovers in the first half. Kings capitalized on those, got some easy transition buckets, not as much in the second half. And I think that was a factor. I mean, the Nets turnovers of lightning. Uh, I, you know, you you discussed a little bit with um, Joe Money McCarr, but I think the, the balance that uh, James Harden is finding, you know, the, the points off turnovers, you know, the Nets Two only second half eight- turnovers, Jack. Yeah, they only had eight and eight for the game, you know, and they scored 15 points um, off of the Kings' 15 turnovers. So it's it's uh, it, we've come a long way where we were, you know, discussing, you know, DeAndre Russell and the Kenny Atkinson, yeah. um, you know, 20 turnovers, 17 turnovers, 25 turnovers. It's just like when are we actually going to make some turnovers for ourselves? And to force 15 is solid, you know. 15 is I'm happy if the Nets have 15 turnovers because a lot of the time it's the it's the balance between the assists and the turnovers, and I think James Harden is basically the fulcrum for that. Yeah, and I think the fact he's getting so comfortable with all of his guys and all of his teammates, he's understanding like where the ball needs to be, where teams are going to rotate, and how they're going to play him, and he's capitalizing on that opportunity. Like you said, Jack, I think when you're off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Defense is this good. If you can take care of the ball, you're probably not going to lose. Yeah, I mean, 30 assists tonight again, Nick. You know, I, I think that's a that's a number that I just really like seeing. And you know, there were games. I, I think might have been the Golden State game where it was thirty five. Yeah. Um, there's times where it just looked like the ball is moving. And I, I there were a couple of plays tonight. I mean, James Harden just finds and he finds assists out of his ass. Like it's just like it's a broken play, and he sometimes somehow just finds magic out of nothing. You know, yeah. it's like the he's like James and uh, not James the giant piece, Jack and the Beanstalk. I should remember that goddamn reference. <laughs> you know, he, he turns the magic beans into a goddamn beanstalk and slays the goddamn giant because he's just that goddamn good. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June sixth, only on Showtime. Yeah, That's I mean, let's talk to him. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, I mean, let's get into it. Twenty-nine points, nine of twenty-two from the field, five of ten from three. Like you said, fourteen assists, eleven rebounds. I mean, 
he was missing some shots that he typically hits tonight. He probably could have been a little bit more efficient on a regular night, but still manipulating the defense, getting double teams, whatever it was, setting up DJ, setting up Bruce Brown, finding Joe Harris, you know, keeping the balance with Kyrie Irving. Just really another great game from Harden. Yeah, he's he's so damn controlled, Nick. He's so damn controlled. He just knows he knows how to manipulate the defenses. He knows how to manipulate the shot clock. He just knows what to do. He's just like, okay, whatever happens here, we're going to get a shot off. We're not going to allow the shot clock to go off and the Kings to, you know, get a turnover in that fashion. You know, he, there was a couple of buzzer beaters that he got, you know, off a step back and a floater. And his step back three is looking incredible. You know, yeah. it, it's it's just like, you know what, I'm going to just hit it here. And you can tell when it's going to fall. There were some nights where, like, he... Oh, there was even a play tonight where it looked like, nah, he's not set here. He doesn't want to shoot the three. He's forcing it. It was only yeah. once tonight. But the five that he did hit, five or ten from the three... Um, he's just, he's so damn good, Nick. And I, I think that he probably belongs in the MVP conversation. I don't know where in it, but the way the Brooklyn Nets have ascended into the stratosphere of championship status, a lot of that, if not you know, a, a large portion, uh, is attributed to James Harden and the way he's been playing and leading this team. Yeah, 100%, Jack. And before I talk MVP, I just want to go back to the point you made about being so controlled. And I think it's because he's so strong. Like, you don't move James Harden off the spot. And we see it defensively guarding bigs because guys just can't move him. And it's the same thing offensively. He does such a great job. If he gets you on his hip, he's going to be able to either get a shot off or he's going to be able to find DJ or somebody for an oop. And like you said, Jack, with the MVP conversation, I mean, if the Nets keep ascending in the standings, it's hard to make an argument of them not having a name in the top three or the top five. Like, I get it. There's two other stars, so it's hard to give it to somebody. But they at least deserve some consideration for the numbers he's putting up on the efficiency that he's doing it he's gonna lead the league in assists nick there's always you know it's about you know if we're gonna quote ramona shelburne it's all about the narrative and there's i don't think there's a good enough narrative because i i think that the nets are in terms of the media they aren't a a darling they don't have their stands i mean we love malika andrews matt brooks brian lewis and these sort of people but they're not going to be the ones driving a narrative there's not ramona shelburne brian windhorst driving a narrative for lebron james you know, people They're driving the opposite for the Nets, essentially. It's 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 it, exactly exactly. It, it's completely the opposite. So look, I don't think he's gonna get the votes. I think he deserves them. I think since he his arrival to Brooklyn, he's been one of the three, two or three best players in the NBA. You know, yeah. Embiid's been incredible. LeBron, I think, has tapered off of late since the absence of Anthony Davis. Whereas in the absence of some of our superstars, James Harden's like, you know what? I know how to do this thing. I know how to lead a team by myself, whether it's against the Phoenix Suns, whether it's alongside Kyrie Irving. I'm really loving their synergy and chemistry. Yep. Nick, you posted some some great clips tonight from the game. James Harden's been incredible, Nick. And I don't know whether he's first, second, or third in the MVP conversation, but he, is, he deserves and he should be up there. Yeah, and I think it's also just like how much he impacts the game. And talking with Joe on the last show, it's just like his fingerprints are constantly all over the game. Like you just see him manipulating the defense, setting guys up, and it's almost sometimes playing off his first action three actions later. It's kind of caused because of James Harden. And like you mentioned, I think not only the chemistry with the entire team, but the chemistry with Kyrie Irving has really stuck out over these last four or five games. Yeah, I mean, ever since uh, Kyrie said he needs the point guard or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> Look, that, that, that's uh, that. I won't. I won't keep bringing that up on the podcast. But I, I think ja- the team has taken on James Harden's identity on yeah. both sides of the floor in a lot of respects. You know, the, the switching scheme. Even though we were instituting that before James Harden arrived, he sl- he sl- he slots in seamlessly towards that because you know he did it. You know, in in his tenure in in Houston, I think. I want to touch on Kyrie Irving a bit tonight, Nick. 21 Jack, points. just one thing about the James Harden thing, because you made me think yep. about the switching thing, and I think he just does not get enough appreciation for what type of player he is in terms of switching. And I know he's not a great defender. He's not like this high-effort, all-energy guy that's going to make all defense, but he's so capable of defending multiple positions. You know what I mean? Like, he really had no issue guarding Marvin Bagley, no issue guarding Harrison Barnes, got switched on the other guys, and he's able to kind of hold his own. Or if he can't, he understands where the other players on the defense are supposed to be to kind of help him. His real problem is just like high effort plays, getting over screens and then losing engagement on some of the off ball stuff. It's almost better when he, you know, he switches immediately onto the big block because yeah. him in the post, like it, it, it's, it's plain and simple, whether it's, you know, and look, DJ has been, been decent enough on the perimeter as well. You know, Nicholas Claxton, obviously we know yep. about his athletic gifts there. So I think that whenever James Harden is like, you know, what, I'm taking this, I'm taking Bagley, I'm taking Holmes, I'm taking Barnes into the post. I'm like, cool, that's fine. Because I think that's where he can be punished. 
you know, you, you get him on an island like Kyrie Irving a little bit, then you try. And that's what I thought the Kings should have done a little bit more of. You know, Darren Fox trying to isolate James Harden, trying to isolate Kyrie Irving because his speed, you know, he's a max player. He's playing like it, despite some people on this <laughs> podcast might feel. I mean, he did so, lose the game, though. All right, all right, all right. He gets one of the best teams in the league. Even maybe the best team in the league, according to the outlet. But I just think that the the intelligence and, and chemistry defensively, I think the Nets are really starting to find that. And as I alluded to, a lot of it is James Hunt. And as you sort of spoke about it as well, Nick, you know, defensively, this team is really starting to come together. And it's not all James Harden, but a lot of it is. You know, DJ's doing some great things. Now, Bruce Brown's obviously awesome. And you alluded to Joe Harris as well, who is just showing strength and effort aplenty. Um, so, look, I think that there, there are some inroads being made. And, and I'm a lot more confident than I was after five games early in the season. Yeah, me too. And I think another thing with James Harden, the switching thing is he can switch off ball where, hey, Kyrie gets caught in a big. James Harden's defending somebody in the three-point corner. Hey, we're going to switch off real quick. And that's what's important in a switching defense because there's going to be mismatches. It's trying to correct those mismatches or, you know, sometimes they're going to be forced to double team. And we constantly see flashes of the nets. We saw some really good stretches on that road trip tonight. They had some lapses. But, I mean, there's a lot of promise defensively. I think, like you've kind of, you know, hinted at, Jack, the narrative is against the nets. A lot of people still talking about the defense when there's obvious improvement here. And I think if you watch the nets play the good teams – you probably feel a little bit more confident in their defense than if you watch them play the bad teams. Yeah, definitely. And and you're going to be versing the good teams in the playoffs. What are they, like 12-1 and one against teams over 500? You know, maybe... Uh, I think no, they no, lost they... twice, uh, the one to the Sixers and one to Toronto. Okay. Uh, I don't... Actually, with the Raptors 500 at that point, though? I don't think they were. I don't, I don't know if they are, but they are now. But <laughs> the Nets have the best... best by far the best record. And of the teams that are in the, the top five, you know, with records in the league, the Nets have beaten them all. You know, this they've lost to the Sixers as well, but um, the, the Nets are just so damn good uh, and they're continuing to play awesome basketball um, and it's only onwards and upwards. You know, 21 and 12 now, hopefully coming for that first seed. Who knows? What, ultimately, first or second seed doesn't matter. It'll be cool to verse the Knicks. It'll be cool to verse whoever, but ultimately the team is playing quality basketball. Um, things are coming together. The rotation is starting to, you know, fill out a little bit and then we're glimpses of it tonight. I, I, do you want to stick with the starters, Nick, or do you want to get to the benchmark yeah let's talk Kyrie because I know you wanted to bring him up let's jump into him because I thought he started the game super hot and then he cooled off a little yeah it, I mean his family was there it was cool to see his sister his nephew and his dad on the sidelines um, a couple of the people of the 300 fans who were lucky enough to be there but uh, I think that his shot selection at times to me Nick was just like look and Kyrie's gonna I'm not gonna be Alex Schiffer about it or Alex Kennedy whichever Alex it was Alex Schiffer was Alex Schiffer I think uh, calling out Kyrie having very shot selection but I think some of the shots tonight were, all right, Kai, you got Joe here a little bit. Let's move the ball. Uh, I think that ultimately when you have like your family, your girlfriend, your friends there, you want to show out a little bit. And in the early points of the game, Kyrie was. But it seemed to me that he got somewhat a tunnel vision. But then he also did bail us out with some just goddamn incredible plays like that. That lefty layup finish was just uh, out of this world, you know. There, there is no player who is a better finisher around the rim in the history of this game. He's just so damn good with his dexterity, his ambidexterity. Um, he's a goddamn wizard. And look, this wasn't one of his best games, but he was still plus 17 on the night. 21 points, had seven assists, had three yeah. seals as well, three of three from the free throw line I thought his three ball was only two or six and then added 22 from the field so I think that the main gripe I had with this game tonight Nick was some of his shot selection yeah it was like he was taking shots that if is if he were hot you know what I mean if he was having one of those games where he was cooking which he has been in the past or whatever you know you're going to kind of feel that out but I also think that he kind of got a little jump shot happy instead of yep. just like attacking the rim we didn't really see him get into the paint a little bit and shoot kind of some of that like mid post stuff or those like little fadeaways he likes down there maybe it's some of De'Aaron Fox give you know Fox and some of those guards credit I, you know Joseph does a pretty good job Tyrus Halberton you know they're going to put in some work but I thought he, like you said Jack he kind of settled and kind of got a, almost a little too flashy but I have really liked his passing you know I thought his game against the Clippers possibly his best passing game of the season and this one wasn't too bad either no I think that he's starting to really show that and and I think it's I think some of it started actually in Golden State as well I think that mm. since the start of the road trip um, he's been you know really switched on and uh, helped it form that identity as a you know get that ball moving you know we, we mentioned the 30 assists tonight and I, I like it when that ball is moving it just makes it makes the Nets impossible to defend you know yeah. while obviously an isolation possession with James Harden or Kyrie Irving 
is probably still a quality offensive possession. You're adding Kevin Durant to, you know, your turn, my turn sort of thing. But if you have the ball movement and you get open shots to Joe Harris, you know, every single area of the three-point line, Nick, he is leading the league. And it's like 48%, 53%, 52%. Um, it was, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I need to take a photo of this and tweet it out <laughs> because it, obviously it fits my identity and persona. But I was just like, God damn, that is incredible. And a lot of that is because you have Kyrie Irving and James Harden on this team and Kevin Durant and Bruce Brand, you know, cutting into to points as well. And DJ as that lob threat. Um, look, Kyrie Irving, and, and I think that he he just, it wasn't as balanced a performance and as complete a performance, but we have such high standards for him. Yeah, and I mean, that's the luxury of having another superstar and having one of your role players step up, and Bruce Brown, and also Joe Harris had a good game. And Jack, I got the graphic. I think we got to do Joe his justice because this is just a crazy stat here. Leads the league in three-point percentage from the corner, above the break, wide open, and catch-and-shoot opportunities. <laughs> the the picture they have with him, though, is mad funny because he looks so tough and he has a cut across his face. He almost looks – he just, like, looks like he's about to get into a fight at the bar. Yeah, he looks like a dude that belongs in, like, John Wick as his, like, you know, <laughs> ally. He's ready to take down Boban Marjanovic and the Russian mafia. Um, he's been a couple of times this season. And for any Aussie listeners out there, he reminds me a lot of Joel Selwood, um, you know, one of my favorite AFL football teams. But in, in saying that – it. It felt like a lot of people were just, oh man, Joe's kind of cold tonight. You know, what, what's going on? And then he still finishes like five or nine from three. And it's just like, he, we're spoiled with how elite he is as a three-point shooter. And as just a basketball player, 18 points, four boards, had a dime, five and nine from three, six attempts from the field. Um, is aiming for that 50-50-50 season, it seems, um, with one or two from the free throw line. But, man, uh, it's... That 50-50-50 season, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think some of it is just randomness because the second free throw, I'm like, ah, oh, that was down. It, it, and uh, if I were to rewatch all of his free throws, I would assume that some of it is just like... It's the same with James Hunt. So I'm just like, we're in and out. You know, and, you know not everyone can be Kyrie Irving, uh, but they're at least better than LeBron James, and that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> shots fired no i thought this was a good game for joe offensively 18 points six or ten from the field five and nine from three you know four rebounds had the assist in there i mean it's just like a typical joe harris game it wasn't anything too crazy i thought in the first half defensively it was a step slow in the second half i thought he picked it up so just another solid performance from a guy that we expected from it's he is the perfect player to have in any championship contending team you know, the Sixers yes. have got yourself a South Curry. The Milwaukee Bucks have a, I don't know, Brent Forbes. He, yeah, that's what I was say. Um, The Lakers have, the, the Lakers would have KCP. I don't know. He's probably their best three-point shooter. LeBron has certainly uh, tapered off quite a bit um, since Anthony Davis's uh, injury. But look, and I think that Joe is just doing more. And I'm intrigued to see, you know, we've got a dude at uh, OGGBasketball.com who's going to be doing some video breakdowns of his defense. And one thing I just do love about Joe is that when he was on like Buddy Heald tonight, he, he knows what a shooter doesn't yeah. like. So he just does what he knows. He, he doesn't have a hand in his face. He doesn't want to have like a body right in him and just like, you know, get it all up in his grill. He's just like, right, I'm not going to shoot it here, man. Just like, leave me alone. I'm going to pass it off to De'Aaron Fox. But then... That allows, if, if they don't provide that defensive intensity on him, he's just going to be running around the perimeter, cutting inside, cutting outside, laying screens. And that's one thing that separates him from a lot of the other shooters in the league. You alluded to it Hill, earlier. I, thought he, I mean, just in his game alone, Jack. Yeah, I mean, look, Buddy Hill did heat up in the second half, and I think he was a big part of their comeback. But Buddy Hill can be cold and out of games. Whereas Joe Harris, you never feel like he's out of a game because he's showing effort everywhere on the floor. Whereas Buddy Heald is just a gunner. You know, he, he, he needs that shot to be falling. And, you know, and, and the, in the first half, it, it wasn't there. Whereas Joe Harris was like, ah, oh, okay, well, what's going on here? Oh, he's two of three from three. Oh, now he's five and nine from three. He's just always going to be there. And whether it's opening up lanes for, for James Harden or Kyrie Irving or opening up cutting spots for, for Bruce Brown or just being there on the perimeter. And he drew gravity to himself where it's just like, ah, oh, Tyler Johnson's through there in the corner. Yeah. I'll just kick it out to him. And nice I think he did a couple of... Two. Yeah, I think that he's just... He's just a smart basketball. And, and look, I think that, you know, the intelligence and IQ of this team overall has lifted 
partly because of James, and, and I think it lifts when you have superstars around you. They make you play better, smarter, more quality basketball. And Joe Harris has increased that, you know, a, a tenfold. Bruce Brown has increased that tenfold. Um, the, the the way that they are playing team basketball right now, Nick, um, is something to something to marvel at. Yeah, and I think there's more than one way to benefit from an elite player. It's not only on the court, it's off the court. It's, you know, like we've seen him talking with Kevin Durant, talking with James Harden, talking with Kyrie Irving, kind of understanding where to be and what to do in those situations. And he continues to excel. And, like, the difference between him and Buddy Hield is simply, like, Joe Harris puts in effort defensively. Buddy is just like a cone out there. Like, he was just getting cooked left and right, wasn't chasing Joe and his greens. And like you said, Jack, I thought his best defense tonight was on Buddy Hield. Definitely, I, I I I totally agree. He, I, I again, I just always reference this video. For those that haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's on YouTube somewhere where he's speaking in London um, to a bloke about you know the fundamentals that he that he learned at U of A about you know guiding, following the hand, following the ball, and I think that that's something simple that you know I'm sure Draymond Green doesn't do it, Rudy Gobert doesn't do it because those guys are just marvelous athletes and just transcended players but you can make up for having the the gifts in on the defensive side of the ball by just playing some solid fundamental you know defense you know showing the principles that allow your team to succeed and he does that game after game after game yes he's going to get caught on an island occasionally he doesn't have quick feet and that doesn't mean i've heard i've seen people in in previous games ask him well we should just trade him for a solid wing that's a quick defense it's just like dude just get the hell out of my mentions. Like, it's just, I'm blocking you straight away. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So if you think that Joe Harris's lack of athleticism um, warrants a trade for him for, uh, you know, an Aaron Gordon or whatever, uh, you just don't know basketball. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and I think, like you said, Jack, he does a great job of making his opponent earn the points. You know what I mean? He plays fundamental. And sure, he's going to get beat by the best of the best. But against role players, he's able to hold his own. And we talked about before, he does a nice job of understanding, hey, DJ's behind me. Let me funnel this to him. It was a little easier when Jared Allen was back there. But he, that's what he's got to work with at this point. But I thought DeAndre actually had a pretty solid game tonight. 10 points, 4, 5, 8 rebounds. Obviously got the start. And back-to-back games with 4 blocks. Eight blocks in two games, Nick. It seems to me that, you know, Nets Twitter bullies uh, a lot of different players and gets uh, something out of them, you know, whether it Coaches be Tim, Tim and Dave, the Wild Cabaret, Steve Nash, the coach, uh, or it's DeAndre Jordan. And I'm really just liking his motivation. It seems yeah. to me that he's more motivated defensively. And I'm seeing it not just, you know, when he switched on, he's trying to get blocks, but he gets upset when he, you know, gets a, a poor call because it's just like, you know what? I play good defense there. Why are you making that call on me? I'm seeing it when he's jumping up for rebounds yeah. now, defensive rebounds. I'm like, and it happened at the start of the game. I'm like, oh, he's up. He's up for a defensive board. He's still got that. And I'm just like, okay, I think we're getting some from DJ now. And I think he knows the team is going to rely on him, you know, to actually play quality basketball. You know, if we're coming up against, you know, the the Bucks and or the Sixers at some point in the playoffs, yeah. we're going to need DeAndre Jordan. It's as simple as that. Yes, we can add an Andre Drummond, a PJ Tucker, or any of these sort of dudes, a Thaddeus Young, um, JaVale McGee, but we're still going to need DJ for some semblance of the point of the game. And if he continues to play the way he's been playing these last couple of games, including the road trip and including other games throughout the season, I would say as a whole on this season, he's been pretty good. He's been above average, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think before since the Detroit game, I would say he's probably been like a slightly above average. You know, I think there's just a lot of inconsistency before that. It's hard to really gauge because there's good moments, there's bad moments. But it's kind of like makes me go back to a point where we were talking about JaVel McGee. And at this point, in the way DeAndre is playing, who's the better player? Like, who would you rather have getting minutes? DeAndre at this point in this effort level or JaVel McGee? Because I think DeAndre is a more skilled basketball player and probably has a little higher basketball IQ. I think DeAndre and JaVale could essentially be what the Lakers had in JaVale and Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. And you essentially revert back to Jeff Green as your finishing center. And hopefully he is healthy come the playoffs. And you got Jeff Green and Kevin Durant out there. So it's essentially what the Lakers do with Anthony Davis. Now, Anthony Davis is basically the best center in the league and the best you know, second plan B option that you can have going around if you don't have a Joel Embiid or a Nikola Jokic or a Rudy Gobert. But I think that the Nets having extra options out there. Maybe it's Nicholas Claxton. I don't know, but... To finish with DeAndre Jordan, Nick, it just seems to me that he is showing a desire out there. He's showing a leadership out there on the defensive side of the floor. He's showing a willingness to go, you know what? 
Darren Fox is probably going to get me here, but I'm going to make sure that I'm going to make it hard for him to get this late. I'm yeah. going to contest it at the very least. And he did that a couple of times tonight when he was out on an island against some of the best, quickest, most athletic guards in the NBA. Yeah, I thought he showed more effort than some other Nets tonight defensively. Like, there's moments where I thought he was pretty good out there. So, you know, props to him and improving and trying to find those those impact minutes. And, I mean, 34 minutes tonight, too. Like, that's a big boost for him. Most of the nights this season, he's probably playing in the 20s and a high. Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, in the app with Jeff Green out, hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Um, I didn't get a chance to to swear at Pat Beverly on the podcast. I won't <laughs> swear on this podcast because I, I saved some expletives in terms of some rant videos that I posted uh, on, on Twitter at the J-Man JBT. But in, in saying that, you know, the Nets are going to need DeAndre Jordan, Nick. I'll, I'll harp at home. Yep. Whether it, it's the regular season, the postseason, he is going to be a part of the rotation. Whether it's for 34 minutes, for 18 minutes, for 12 minutes, he's going to have to provide us something for whenever he is out there. And if he continues to stay motivated, stay engaged and leading this team, um, as a really important center and fulcrum for this defense and at times the offense because you know they've run a lot from him from the high yeah. elbow too with the with the ball in his hands you know looking for guys running off curls so dj is going to be important for this team um, and he's been really good since that detroit game like you uh, pointed out yeah and i mean like you said jack offensively the lob threat the easy dunks i think his chemistry with Kyrie's looking pretty good too on some of those drop-off passes but you kind of hinted at nick claxton getting some backup center minutes tonight and i thought it was a mixed bag you know it's kind of like what you expect from a rookie and essentially that's kind of what he is given he only played 15 games last year i will say nick other than i other his skill is is there the, the yeah. skill and the talent is is on display I think it's going to be just reps for him. And yep. I want him to get those reps because I think he can be a swing factor for the Brooklyn Nets in a way that a, a Robert Williams could be for like the Boston Celtics. You know, you just got a guy here that's got so much raw potential and talent. And if you give him some reps, you give him some time to work through it, I think he can help this team more than maybe an Andre Drummond or just to make or JaVale McGee. I think he can be better. And we saw, you know, plenty of times early on, he's like, you know, what i'm switched down to De'Aaron fox here i'm switched on to tyrus halliburton here i'm gonna make them uh, force a bad shot and it's probably only one or two times where you know i think it was probably more the the switching scheme whereas if he is automatically isolated and he gets time to set himself he has a really good stance he has a quick feet he's incredibly athletic and and, and gifted in in that respect so i, I hope he continues to get minutes in because I, I like um the opening play with him and Kyrie irving i thought that was really really yeah. cool Kyrie had the open lap and he's you know what Clax have this one, man. And he should have got it. We, we wanted him to get that dunk there, but um, the Sacramento Kings couldn't let us have any fun with it. And he hit the free throws. He had four free throws tonight, five points, had a, had a dime, had a board, um, one or two from the field in 14 minutes. I, I just hope when Jeff Green is back that we don't see Nick Claxton just relegated out of the rotation because I honestly do think that you know, I, I maybe it's because both of us drink the Kool-Aid a lot, like a lot of people on Nets Twitter with this guy. But he can be, he can give us something, and he just fits so damn well into this defensive scheme. So damn well. Like you said, Jack, I think the talent is there, the potential is there, and he definitely could be substantially better than anybody the Nets could get in the buyout market, like just for the pure fit and skill set that they don't have. Like he's an athletic guy at 6'11". The mobility is impressive. Like he moves out there like a wing and a forward. You know what I mean? Like the way he was switching on some of those off-ball screens, it just it seemed easy to him. I think where he struggles maybe a little bit is lacking some of those center qualities, but it's kind of tough in the switching scheme is understanding and balancing your role. Like you said, reps, experience out there on the floor that's what he needs and that's honestly need to either give him those minutes or get into a lot of blowout so he can play big minutes and get those reps and just because like you can just see it like you mentioned the iso on deer and fox deer and fox got him on the drive but he was able to recover on one of the fastest guards in the nba and contest a shot at the rim there's a handful of bigs in the nba that can do that jared allen was one of those guys Nick Claxton could be another one for the Nets. And I think like we've talked about in the past, Clax has more of that uh, switchability factor, more of that perimeter defense. He just looks more comfortable moving out on the wings and he just doesn't look scared. 
No, definitely not. And I think this is a good opportunity before the All-Star break. You know, the Magic, the Mavs, the Spurs, and the Rockets. I think all of those teams will provide the Nets challenges in in different respects. But I think that there is no way where it's just like, you know what? Clax deserves some minutes here. And ultimately, you know, the rotation went a little bit deeper tonight. You know, went, uh, what was it, 10 deep? You know, and not normally something that Steve Nash is going to do. But I think that Nick Claxton is someone... And I've heard plenty of other more, plenty of more smart people say this than me that, you know, if you are a successful team and you know what you've already got, you need to try out the things that you don't know what you've got yet. You know, what is Andre Robeson going to be? What is Nicholas Claxton going to be for this team? What is Amon Shumper going to be for this team? We know what Bruce Brown is. We know what Joe Harris is. We kind of know what Tyler Johnson is, but I think he continues to uh, provide some uh, meaningful yeah. wins out there. Landry Shamit, we, we kind of know uh, what he provides too. But I think that Claxton, Robeson, Shumpert, uh, I think are all guys, uh, uh, for me, it's especially Claxton because in, in the scheme that we play and the potential that he has, I think that he's going to find it. He looked gassed at times because you know yeah. he hasn't played basketball in, in ages. Um, and so I think that I'm just really, really intrigued and I just hope, hope, hope Steve continues to give him minutes. I think he'd benefit from playing with Jeff Green and playing with Kevin Durant and playing with some other veterans out there, especially some bigger guys where it's not all the pressure on him to do some of those big man things, especially because he is slight of frame. You know what I mean? He's not the biggest guy. He does have some of that toughness. But like you said, it's hard not to get excited because there's so much potential and he just gives the Nets a skill that they don't have. They just don't have one of these like hyper young athletic players to give you some of that energy and they can just provide the spark that you need sometimes. And there's an opportunity for him to possibly be that guy this season if not, it could easily be next year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I hope I hope it's this year, Nick, and um, we'll see how Steve Nash, you know, fiddles around with his rotation as we, you know, Jeff Green and Kevin Durant are, are set to return, you know, in, in the coming games. Yeah. I mean, who you want to talk about next yet, Jack? We got a couple different names out there. I mean, we can we can talk about the collective, Nick. Okay. Robeson, Shumpert, Johnson, and Shannon. I think I wanted to touch on Robeson. I think Robeson has the most the, – the, he can provide the most value to this team. But he can also give away the most value because he is he, he is literally a nothing on the offensive end. And I think that because while Bruce Brown has so many limitations as an offensive player, well, not so many, but he has some limitations as an offensive player, but he makes up for it by doing so much. And he's an active rebounder. He's an active cutter. Robeson doesn't have that yet, whether he does get to that point. He did rebound the ball pretty well tonight. He did get four boards. I do think that what he can give us defensively, and because the Nets is just the Nets are just so outlandishly good offensively, it might be okay to just have a nothing on defense, like a, a Tony Allen type, um, to just provide you a, a body to throw out there and give you some good defensive minutes on the likes of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and some of these really really good wings. I think the important thing is not to play him with DeAndre Jordan. Our guy Matt Brooks yeah. pointed that out, or yeah. don't even play him with Bruce Brown, like. I, it's just hard to have two non-shooters on the floor. You know what I mean? And he does other things to kind of provide value. You'll see him set some off-ball screens. He'll just make some heady plays, some nice cuts. And I like his hustle defensively. He also had that nice uh, hustle play where he saved the ball, threw it to Joe Harris, ended up being a three. That was pretty stuff. And, and I feel like even if Roberson's not in the rotation – He's a good veteran to have on the end of the bench. Like, hey, you know, we're getting cooked out there. We need some defense tonight. Okay, this is a professional we can throw out there, and there's an opportunity for him to help us in some type of way. Yeah, I think Robeson would be a better option than Shumpert. I think Shumpert has the, also that relationship connection with Kyrie Irving, you know, being former teammates as well. Robeson has that with uh, Kevin Orant and, and James Harden and Jeff Green. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in the coming days, you know, there'll, there'll be moves made. The rotation, the roster is going to look different. It looks like Noah Vonley is probably on his way out. You know, Tyler Johnson obviously has his contract. We, we don't know about TLC. I think a lot of people want TLC gone, but I don't. I, I think I would be get... I would be somewhat upset if TLC was cut. I mean, I, he is, he's the Nets whipping boy right now. But if you've watched him play basketball um, and showed the consistency, like, you know, in the pods that I've been recapping with him, you know, since he's been healthy for five last five games or so, it's just, he's been solid. He's been steady. He's hitting his three. And um, I, I want him on this team. I think he can give us something as a rotation player. It's as simple as that. I think he's that. just better than Amon Shumpert. And that's no he disrespect does. to Shumpert. It's just... TLC, he has more size. He has a better jump shot. Offensively, I think he has, you know, more to his game. And I mean, I'll say this to you, Jack. Does Amon Shumpert really do anything that Tyler Johnson can't do? No. It's uh, Tyler Johnson. He's maybe a better defender, right? That's about it. He is. He's a he's a more heady defender, and I think he can, but 
Tyler Johnson, probably a better defender with the smaller blokes on, you know, maybe the ones and twos. Um, but Aman Shumpert can probably has, 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 is stronger. That's probably yeah. the only thing I can give to him. And Tyler is a better offensive player. He just looks more comfortable with the ball, playmaking for himself and others. And then also his three-point shot is just better than Amon Shumpert's. Before tonight, he was shooting 50-plus percent from three over like the last 10 games or whatever it was. Tonight, only one of four. But I think I really like the way Tyler Johnson's been playing. He's just one of those high-energy guys that doesn't even need to get a lot of minutes, but he'll make the most out of his minutes now that I think he's comfortable in his role. Yeah, I mean, we need to compare him to Jack Harlow rather than Moe's <laughs> uh, from The Office because Jack Harlow is a much more handsome dude more you know he's got a bit more swagger he looks more about like jack harlow now he does he does with the with the curls the girls get the girls and uh tyler johnson we certainly know what's popping that's for sure <laughs> look at you look at you <laughs> I'll, I'll take a note of that landry shamit he was two of four two of four from three six points he just sometimes has like these plays though where it's just like what are you thinking type of thing where it just like he looks a little confused and it's like they're just like such negative plays. It's just like his turnovers always feel kind of impactful. He wasn't credited one in the box score, but there was a pass where like he turned his head and it ended up going out of bounds. Yeah, look, uh, I still think that you know, Landry Shamit can be in this rotation. It's it's similar to, you know, when we talk about all these guys, Claxon, Robeson, Shumpert, um, Shumpert uh, Johnson, Shamit, there'll be a point in time where we get a, a, decent, a, a decent amount of reps for all of them and can, you know, analyze them with the fullest breadth of, of yeah. play and go, okay, this is this guy can provide us this. Landry Shamit, obviously, his key moment was uh, that Devin Booker defensive yep. play in that game against the Suns where he was incredible. He's been shooting the ball really well. Again, like you mentioned, Nick, 50% from, from three tonight. So I still think he can give us something. There's just going to be matchups uh, and games where it's just like, look, I think that the desire tonight to get more and see more out of the, the guys that only have limited time left on this roster for some of them um, outweighs, you know, we know what we've got in Shamit, you know, despite the fact that he's only played, you know, the, the 30 games or so, you basically know what you're going to get from him. You don't know yet what Claxton's going to give you, what Robeson's going to give you, and what Shumpert's going to give you. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think Steve Nash, even with the other guys playing, I think he made a good decision only playing him 11 minutes in this game. Like you said, some nights he's just not going to have a great matchup, and it felt like tonight he just didn't have it. No, nah, not at all. But um, I think we covered all the players, and like we said, you know, it was a casual win for the Nets. Not not necessarily my favorite type of Nets win because they turned it up late down the stretch and they end up getting the win because they just have more talent. But you don't want to get in these type of games. We, they'll give them, a, you know, a pass coming off the road trip and obviously it almost being like a six road trip game like they mentioned on the broadcast. But overall, still a lot of positives because these were games that they were losing earlier on. Yeah, for sure. Before we do end, Nick, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. We touched on those role players, so I think it, it, it makes the most sense to talk about their partially guaranteed contracts until February the 24th. So TLC, Aman Shumper, Noah Vonley, and Andre Robeson are all of those guys who have partial guarantees on their contract. Who do you think out of those guys is going to get the guarantee? Uh, I think TLC will get the guarantee, and I'm leaning towards Andre Robeson. Um, you know, Amon Shumpert has a chance, but I mean, Roberson also played in uh, the second half and Noah Vonley, I just don't have much confidence in is because there was, I mean, even in the, what was it, the Clippers game, the Nets were shorthanded and they didn't elect to play him. And I mean, in the minutes in which he played, he just kind of looked almost a little too sporadic for a championship team. Yeah, I think it was unlucky because, you know, we saw some minutes for Norvell Pell when he was a, a, a long-lived Brooklyn man back yeah. in the day. I just uh, I, I don't understand why he didn't get the reps. And maybe it's because um, I, again, you know, I drink the Kool-Aid of a lot of players. Noel Von is one of those sort of role players that I, I sort of stand for a little bit. But so I hope that, that his career continues elsewhere. I think that he can give a team something. I think he's he, he's young enough as well um, to maybe, again, you know, with the championship sort of mentality, you've got to have those vets. You've got to have that consistency and that experience. But I do think Noel Von can give something to this league. And I agree, Nick. You know, I, He's got talent. He's definitely got talent. I, I think that um, he, he's going to find a place some, somewhere. Um, and I think he'll probably find a, a nice little home in, in Houston, to be honest. But um, in in saying that, I, I don't really have anything to add. I think you made the, the pretty salient point that TLC and, and Andre Robeson seem to be the guys that are, are likely to get the guarantee. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because they can also get it converted to second 10 days you told me i think nick was it yeah so if they are cut then they can sign them to a 10-day contract and you can sign a player up to two 10-day contracts which is essentially about 20 days <laughs> the trade deadline is march 25th obviously buyouts typically happen around that realm so 
let's hypothetically say they cut Chumper, they could sign him to two 10 days, and then they could cut him or not extend him after the other one and then buy somebody on the buyout. You know what I mean? Or sign somebody on the buyout. So the, there's options for Sean Marks and what he's going to do. I would say Shumpert has an opportunity to possibly stay past the deadline. I don't think Noah Vonley has a chance. No. And, and I think that it makes the most sense to yep. do that. You know, keep the, the locker room happy. You know, Shumpert's having some fun on the bench with, with KD and, and, and all the other guys. He seems to be just a, a really nice presence there. Um, whereas I think on the court. And, and look, you, know, you just keep extending it. And look, if you want to have him as your 15th man on the roster... You know, and there happen to be some injuries to some of your role players, whether it's a Tyler Johnson, whether it's a Landry Shamit or whatever. I'd be confident enough to have him for, for 10 minutes out in the regular season, maybe not in the playoffs, but just to have as like a, a Jared Dudley at the at the end of the roster like the Lakers do, you know, you could do worse. Yeah, and I mean, like, if he really had to play, it's not the end of the world. It's not like he can't move out there or anything and, like, he's, you know, immobile or something. He has a little game left to him. And then I think that would leave the Nets... Either, you know, they'd probably like to upgrade Chumpert or maybe get somebody else in that spot. And they'd also probably like to add one more big. You don't want to go into the postseason or anything like with, you know, Nick Claxton being your only backup big in case somebody were to get in foul trouble. Obviously, they have Jeff Green and Kevin Durant, but I think they'd have like to have the luxury of a little more. Yeah, that PJ Tucker would be pretty damn nice. And hopefully the Houston Rockets keep losing games and Tillman Frittata wants to save some money and buys him out, but I can't see it happen. We'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, Woj did report those rumors a couple of days ago, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But Nick, the All-Star game is happening. The reserves are announced. Thank God James Harden was on it. So the Nets now have three All-Stars. And since moving to Brooklyn, um, the Nets have only had three total All-Stars. And that was Brook Lopez in 2013, Joe Johnson in 2014, and D'Lo in 2019. And they have three from the same team this year. It's... Uh, Man, it's uh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, as a Nets fan, I think you just have to appreciate this. This is a stretch of basketball and a team that, you know, you'll probably never have replicated in Nets history. You know, this era, it could be this year, it could be two years, it could be three years, who knows? But you just kind of got to appreciate it because these guys are super talented and they're all on the same team. It's just rare. This is arguably one of the most talented teams in NBA history, and it could go down in the record books as being one of the greatest teams if they're able to hit their full potential and maybe add a, some small moves to the roster. Yeah, scary hours. You know, you'll have nightmares for years with the just three threes. These three guys in the roster, it's pretty damn awesome. Um, and and just I don't know, it, it's it, you pinch yourself as a Nets fan because you know I I think about when we started this podcast, we're talking about Jeremy Lin, we're talking about Rondé Hollis Jefferson, we're talking about D'Angelo Russell, we're talking about Karis Avert, and it, it just it's just wild and crazy how just quickly things change. And you know, there were times where we were against the James Harden trade, and now it's just like man. It's 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 uh it's an absolute whirly swirly roller coaster whatever you know amusement park ride you want to call it being a Nets fan but right now um you know we're certainly peaking. Yeah, I mean it's just it's crazy. I mean I was obviously we've been watching the games and Nets are on the winning streak and you're so used to watching Kyrie Irving and James Harden right now for just recency bias and then I saw a highlight of Kevin Durant and it's just like god damn this guy's on the nets too like they really have this much talent so it, it's just like an opportunity to just enjoy the basketball it really really is speaking of kevin durant nick when do you think he will be back when do you think jeff green will be back we heard steve nash say that he thinks KD's going to be back before the all-star break so there's a couple of uh, chances for him to get back you know a lot of people are predicting the dallas mavericks matchup which will be um i think the nationally broadcast yep. game uh, do you think it'll be then do you think it'll be earlier do you think it'll be the uh, the game after against San Antonio, or do you think it might be just the one game against the Houston Rockets? Yeah, I would probably guess it would be the Saturday game. Then they have the opportunity to rest him for the next game if they wanted to, and then they could always play him again on that you know next one, the last game of the first half of the season. So, I mean, I'm all I'm okay if they don't play him until the second half of the season. Like I really don't care to an extent because I just want him healthy for the postseason, and I know how hamstring injuries can be lingering and lead to other injuries, so I just want him to be 100%, and it seems like the Nets are being super precautious. And Jeff Green, I really don't know much. It's a contusion. It was weird. He was down on the floor a lot. It feels like it's nothing that serious because they didn't announce he's going to miss a lot of time, so you would think that we'll see Jeff Green before you know the, se the first half of the season ends. Yeah, he was listed as questionable tonight. I think a, a lot of and they said a true game time decision. Yeah, so like it was, it, but we saw all the list of the other guys. We saw like you know Dinwiddie and, and KD and, and all those other guys, but Jeff Green wasn't listed there. But then we we heard that you know game time decision questionable. So he'll be coming back soon. Thank God, because uh, Patrick Beverly, I would have got your address. I would have been done my my catfishing. Oh, we got some my updates, Jack. 
Uh, uh, while we're still here, Woj, the Nets are waving three players, Noah Vonley, Amon Shumpert, and Andre Roberson. And so, then we have another, we have a Shams bomb. Guard, Amon Shumpert, and Andre Roberson are signing 10-day contracts with the Nets. Ah, there you go. When so, they clear so, waivers on Friday. So technically their 10-day contract is going to start on the 26th, giving them all the way into the 5th, and then they could sign another one. So definitely some creativity from Sean Marks. Yeah, it makes the most sense. You need to make use of the mechanisms you have as a, a GM. And, you know, it gives a, a couple extra games to see what we've got out of uh, Aman Shumper uh, and Andre Robeson. You know, the prediction that we made seconds ago on this <laughs> podcast. It's about time. Oh, thank God that you were on Twitter, Nick. I'm, I'm normally on a check and then scrolling my timeline. But I want, because I missed the last one. I actually one, just I clicked the wrong tab. I was trying to go back to the NBA.com. <laughs> my Twitter popped up. And I was like, why do I have notifications? And then I have Shams and a Shams and Woj on notification, obviously. So, boom. So oh, Thank God. Thank God. You know, the last pod, oh, one of the previous pods we did, literally about 15 minutes after Andre Robeson signing, Got announced. I got the Bleacher Report notification just here too. So, look, it, it, it makes no sense. Smart move from Sean Marks. And, look, I, I still want to see what Andre Robeson can give us because I think that, you know, like we alluded to, to Aman Shumpert, we know what he can give us. He's We've, we've seen what he can give us as a Brooklyn net. Yep. Whereas Andre Robeson, you know, we saw the bubble, but that wasn't really you know, a true reflection of what he can give you. I liked his defensive activity tonight. I think he can, you know, he can play from one through four. He can guard from one through four. And I think that is a tool that the Nets can use on the court that I think that uh, can be valuable for them going forward. Just what can he add to them uh, beyond the defensive mechanisms that he has and the defensive tools that he has. So, you know, we'll see over this 10 days and hopefully another 10 days. And he could be a guy that um, plays his way into the rotation. You know, tonight, I think he did enough where it's just like, you know what? I'll give you some more minutes, my guy. Um, I think that you know he, we might see Landry Shamet relegated out of the rotation uh, and Andre Robeson play ahead of him because Tyler Johnson's playing decent enough offensively and we know what we have out of Landry. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Sean, uh, Sean Marks and Steve Nash find that balance. Yeah, and I mean, Joe Harris has been getting a lot of time with the second unit too. So that kind of makes Landry Shamet like not necessary and you could go with a bigger player with some of these matchups. And another thing about Roberson, I really like some of the hustle plays. And like I hinted at earlier, like he just makes some of those veteran plays that you can't really replicate. Like TLC is not going to make the plays that Roberson makes just because he doesn't have the reps or the experience. So it's going to be interesting. It's a real tryout for both these guys. I think Sean Marks is giving both guys a fair opportunity to earn a spot in this team. And I think it's more than likely there's only one spot because I'm sure there's going to be a little trade activity. Yeah, trade or buyout. Buyout, yep. Whether like it's Ariza, whether it's Tucker, if the Nets, you know, I, I, Amari I truly working hope... out with Ariza. You saw that? I did, I did, I did, which um, looked pretty nice. Um, hopefully, Amari's trying Preston... to get the last spot. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, man, he's looking all right. He's looking all right. I've provided my thoughts on Amari Sotomayor in the past, but look, if Trevor, Trevor Reese is that guy, if it's Andre Roberson, the Nets need you know another guy as a wing rotation dude, and I, I want it to be Roberson because you know I, I, I like him. Uh, I, I think that he can get. Yeah, I think he can give something to this team. I like Ariza as well. Um, you know, the ultimate dream scenario for me would be PJ Tucker. I'm not 100 percent sure how and and if that can happen, and whether he's his age and whether you know what he's done in Houston the past couple of games is going to catch up to him a little bit. But I think that we could get one or two seasons uh, out of him um, and, and, and try and get some productivity out of him before he does you know get past the the mark of productivity. Yeah, I mean, even if it's just a small role for him, like, you know, the, the Rockets were pushing him to the edge of his his possibilities. And so, like, if he was playing, like, 16 minutes and, you know, not having to defend all these guys all the time, I think he could be okay. I think the thing that sucks for the Tucker aspect is that other teams are interested and they could probably just offer more than the Nets. And I don't think he's going to come to a buyout unless Houston is just trying to be stubborn and really, you know, Tillman Fertitta wants to save money and the best thing is to buy out and the Nets, like we've talked about, have that taxpayer mid-level exception. They have the disabled player exception, could offer him $5.7 million and he could give that $5.7 million back on the buyout. And that, that could be enough for the type of owner they have in Houston. Absolutely. You know, it's it, it, that... Those mechanisms that Sean Marks does have in place, and and hopefully Joe Sy uh, allows for them. You know, he's, he other than the, you know, it'd be it'd be pretty good to have Garrett Temple in this team right now. I've, I've loved what he's been doing in in Chicago for for their team. Uh, Thaddeus Young as well. They're just one of these. They could trade for Garrett Temple too. 
I mean, who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, crazy things have happened in this league. But yeah, PJ Tucker. I just, because I, I think the Nets are in the box seat for a lot of these guys, especially buyout because of, like you alluded to, Nick, you know, the exceptions that they do have in place. And, you know, if they were to get them over teams like the Lakers, teams like the Clippers, teams like the Sixers, you know, it gives them a competitive advantage, not only yep. them getting the player, but also the other team not getting that guy as well. Yeah, 100%. And I did just throw this out there because it's been talked about a lot. I, I would not like to see DeMarcus Cousins be one of the guys that gets added to the Nets. <laughs> um, yeah, let's put it that way. He did have some nice things to say about James Harden um, on on uh, Jimmy's way out of uh, Houston. And what James Harden actually is doing for Houston currently, you know, we talked about Kyrie Irving and his philanthropic efforts and, and for the community, what he's continuing to do in terms of what he's doing with his restaurant, what he's doing. And DeAndre Jordan is joining in those efforts to provide something for what is a goddamn crisis and what is a goddamn travesty uh, in Houston and in Texas overall right now. Shout out to him. Shout out to every person who is doing good things uh, for the communities that are needed in, in today's day and age. Yeah, 100%. Shout out to Harden. You know, obviously a lot of people disrespected him there, and he's still doing the right thing, helping a lot of people in need, which is almost like essentially a natural disaster given like the winter conditions that they're dealing with in Houston. It's just kind of crazy. And credit to DeAndre Jordan, both trying to have an impact there. But Jack, always a pleasure. Happy to have you back. Big thanks, everybody, for listening, and catch us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.